Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. Today we have back with us, which I'm thrilled to have, Michael Maciel. He is my resident <laughs> priest trained in metaphysical Christian order. So I call him in all the time when I want to look at something from the metaphysical side, something that maybe we've we've used in culture or in religion. And I want to say, well, what's the metaphysical side of this? And um, he is from the Holy Order of Man, so he has been trained in this, in taking a look at the metaphysical side of Christianity. So I pulled Michael back in because I wanted to look at Easter and Passover and what is the metaphysical meaning of these two, not only holidays, but Christian and Jewish holidays. And I'm sure I just narrowed it down too narrow, right? <laughs> No, well, that's good. Michael, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks, oh, thank you. For, yeah, thank you, Barb, for having me again. This is fun. It is. It's great. It's great. You're always so interesting and have so many, so much um, information about these things that, you know, I've never been able to get to the metaphysical side, in my case, of Christianity, or I was brought up Catholic. So, yeah. In ceremony, I think better than anybody else, but I, They've never explained the metaphysical side. Yeah, it oh, sounds kind of dry. Nice. It sounds kind yeah. of dry, but it's really it's really very exciting because it's so intertwined mm -hmm. with our with our, the most fundamental parts of life. You know, being being alive here on planet Earth, and this right. is big big stuff. So, yeah, it's at our core. It. It's at our yeah. core, really. Um, but what is the story of Easter? What does that tell us? Well, I think and, the first where, thing... and where's the Easter bunny and the Easter eggs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's important to realize that that these grand narratives, what we call myths, you know, they're the they're the stories that tell us about ourselves at the deepest spiritual level, and Easter is one of those myths because um, you know we we hear that uh, Jesus rose from the dead, and um, did that happen? Did it actually happen? You know, we we don't know. I mean, there are lots of reasons why we could assume that it did, but you know, it's it's kind of it, it's almost as though the Bible has um, these little uh, indicators in the stories uh, where they'll they'll preface a story with something impossible to let you know that this is a um, this is. A, it has symbolic content. In other words, they're, they're going to express a, a universal principle through a historical event. And that means that they can take that historical event and shape it whatever way they want. Now, that said, I'm not in any position to say that it didn't actually happen. Because as some people have pointed out, we don't know what we're capable of. A fully awakened, uh, spiritually realized person, we don't know what the limits of our, of our possibilities are. And so, in, in other words, we, we hear about miracles. Uh, we hear about uh, these great healers who have lived and these miracle workers that have lived. And Jesus seems to fall into that cohort. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, which indicates that he's not the only one who could do that, those things, uh, you know, things like walking on water and disappearing, walking through walls, all of that. This is part of the, the lore of, of many of the Eastern uh, yogic traditions. I mean, they, they do some pretty amazing things. If you've read uh, Autobiography of a Yogi by, by Yogananda, I mean, he, yeah. He gives accounts of of many such such miracles, so we can't really say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can't, we don't know, and the only way we could really know is to do it. You know, is to actually practice some of these uh, 
uh, do these exercises and develop these faculties and abilities, then we'd know for sure. But, you know, it's they're rare. They're rare. So the Bible kind they're of very you know, rare. <laughs> yeah. The Bible's kind of ambiguous. It's people who make who turn the stories into literal events. People mm-hmm. use the Bible kind of like an historical account of what happened when that's not really the intention behind sacred scripture. Sacred scripture is a book of myth, a, a book of narrative, a book of stories of that tell us about us, about our about the spiritual path. And there, there were never intended to be, uh, uh, you know, an historical document. Now, I think with the Bible, part of it, part of it is, and and so in order to to preface any really truly symbolic story, they'll throw something uh, uh, seemingly impossible uh, that element into it, like the virgin birth, you know, or or Moses mm-hmm. parting parting the sea. Um, you know, the, those, the, even the flood, even, even though that the flood now, they're, they're finding some evidences in different parts of the world that that was a real event. Um, so it's, it's like that. So Easter falls into that category, and it prefaces with a, a human being rising from the dead, which just doesn't happen, right? That doesn't happen. So, so what, we're, what we're looking at is, um, oh, and, and just as an example, um, there are many instances of what we could call uh, virgin births, like uh, um, uh, in the Egyptian mythology, uh, the uh, uh, Horus. I think I never get the name straight. There's there's Isis, Osiris, and 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 uh, Horus, and uh, whichever one that. Uh, that Isis was married to her husband was killed and chopped up and scattered his body, you know, uh, scattered around. And she went on the mission to collect all the parts of the body and put them back together. And then she conceived Horus with her dead husband. So that's a form of what? virgin birth. <laughs> yeah. You see? And, and even. That's a little creepy. <laughs> it is. It's very creepy. Yeah. Right. To them, you know, I guess it was not so bad, but but to our modern sensibilities, yeah, it's creepy. Um, and another one is um, uh, uh, Buddha, the way Buddha was born. He wasn't he was he didn't have a normal vaginal birth. He was born out of his mother's side, and so that's a, that's another way of saying that he he didn't emerge from the the lower chakra area. Mm-hmm. He, it, that he came from the heart you know, from the, uh, the heart center. So that's that obviously the same symbolic. Adam and Eve thing of, um, out of the rib of. Yes. Yes. Precisely. Yeah, same thing. Right. 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 So, so these stories are like, uh, you know, indicate that they put up these little signs saying, you know, symbolic content ahead. And then mm-hmm. with the intention that that's the way we should read it. Uh, but you know, a lot of people don't, they take it, literally and and again it's like we have to we have to leave that door open because we don't know you know you know especially in terms of the resurrection you know what exactly happened there so so looking at now how did they did timing wise isn't it the spring equinox so absolutely Um, absolutely yeah so you know i mean jesus was perfect timing for some of these things if it were honest if it was true right you know, well all of, all of the yeah all of the traditions have their springtime events so we have mm-hmm. to look at that from a cosmological standpoint what is t- what's taking place right now i'm looking out the window i'm in Asheville, north carolina and the tree in the front yard is is bursting you know all the buds are coming on the tree so mm-hmm. and if anybody anybody who's ever lived on a farm knows that the animals go into heat at that time and and yeah. so you've got this surge of vital energies, right? Mm-hmm. The surge of vitality right. that's that's reproductive. That's uh, uh, because the life force uh, um, uh, has a cyclic nature to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it it it's it's burgeoning right now. Everything is is in this reproductive mode, and so what do we do? We apply a um, 
a program of uh, sublimation to that and call it Lent. You know, that's why we have to give up certain things for Lent. We want to channel that that spiritual energy and use it for uh, productive means rather than reproductive means, you know, or, or both, right? Um, but, but we're using that rising Kundalini uh, energy to channel it into spiritual, uh, into spiritual projects. Mm -hmm. I thought we were so, just cleaning up our act. <laughs> yeah, right. But we're, but we're doing it because. For the rebirth. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. But there's so much more energy right now available to do that. See, that's, that's mm -hmm. the thing. Later on in the summer, if the energy changes and it's more geared toward outer activity. But right now right. in this transitional phase, you know, in, in this in the uh, the vernal equinox, that's when it, it all starts ramping up. Everything that's been dormant through the winter starts to awaken, and it's raring to go. So we harness that energy. You see, mm -hmm. that's what that's what uh, you know. Uh, spiritual disciplines are for, especially at this time of the year, because this is when we can really use them to their maximum effect. What's so, the um, symbolism of Good Friday and those? Now, this might only be Catholic. I apologize if it is. But the three hours when Jesus was dying is what it's supposed to be. On Good Friday right. before Easter, there are three hours that Catholics, old Catholics, um, would be quiet during that time. You were supposed to be very quiet during that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the the um, the crucifixion is really uh, it's crucial. You know, mm -hmm. Pun intended. <laughs> so, but <laughs> the other thing we have to realize about these about these uh, these stories is that when we take them literally as stories, as a tradition, they prepare people for the spiritual path. The deeper meaning of the stories is really intended for people who have committed to the spiritual path. And to them, the deeper meaning of the stories is given. It's like Jesus told his disciples, I, I speak in parables to the masses, but to you, I tell you what the parables mean. You see, so, mm -hmm. so there, there are levels in, in, uh, in his audience. And for all gurus and master teachers, that's true. So the public, they teach the story, and that's that. That is enough for most people. They just they sense the truth in the story, and that's enough. They can hang on to that, and it works on them over time until finally they they uh, they want to commit and really do the inner work to actually achieve transformation. So so the deeper meaning of these stories is all geared towards transformation. Okay, so, so with Easter, what is the parable and what is the inner well, meaning? Well, let's start with, you know, because Easter is immediately preceded by the crucifixion, you know, and the death. Mm -hmm. So so what basically what the crucifixion and, is. But it starts too. It starts earlier than that, as you mentioned, Lent. And then before that, um, what was the Sunday before, I guess? So it's really, the parable is the, is the, um, trial of jesus and all of that and then being put yeah. together yeah so so there we have to why yeah. don't we start with the name jesus christ See, oh, that that, most, that's good yeah. that'll bring us back yeah exactly <laughs> i mean you get so much ground to cover right so <laughs> so if we if we have to we have to take the name jesus christ as a formula christ is not jesus's last name jesus is symbolic for us, for you and me, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is the human part of us, the the personality, the body, the you know the life story of, of each person. Christ is the divine within us. So so the whole story of the life of Jesus is how the human part of us and the divine part of us form an integration. And in that integration, we experience transformation, where the man becomes a god. You know, we go from animal to man, from man to god, the divination of, of, the, of the human being. So that's, mm -hmm. the, that's the format. That's the story. 
so so the life of Jesus, you know, from the birth, from the, you know, the, in the temple, talking with the elders to, you know, going out in the desert to the baptism to, you know, all the stuff he went through in Jerusalem and the death and resurrection, all of that, those are, those are milestones in your spiritual journey, in my spiritual journey. These are mm -hmm. universal milestones. So, so if we can get that part of it, then the story of Jesus Christ starts to make sense because at one level it's designed just to familiarize us with the story. Not that it didn't actually happen because, you know, somebody, and not just him, but a lot of people have gone through this cycle and have become great beings. So, so, but the idea is that there is a spiritual path. We call it the path of initiation, that mm -hmm. it's a real thing and that it has very distinct uh, 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 transition zones and, and points like uh, rites of passage. And the crucifixion is definitely one of those. So, so the, the example I like to give is uh, Chuck Yeager. Uh, I don't know if you remember him, but he was, a, uh, I think he was a politician at one point or in, in maybe went to work for, uh, he was a test pilot. He was the That's first. That's how I knew him. When you said politician, I'm thinking, oh, I've got the wrong guy. Yeah, right. You know, right. He was, a, yeah, the pilot. Yeah, he's the and, pilot. I, might, I think yeah. I'm getting him mixed up with the other guy. Um, I can't, his name escapes me right now. But uh, mm -hmm. one of the astronauts. But Jaeger was was a. Uh, I thought that he, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. was my other yeah. thought. Isn't John he Glenn. the astronaut? Yeah. Yeah, John Glenn. So Jaeger, he was a test pilot, and and he um, he was the first guy to uh, break the sound barrier. Mm -hmm. And they strapped him into this little tiny airplane with a big rocket on it strapped on it, stuck it underneath mm -hmm. the wing of a of a bomber, and flew him up as high as they could, dropped him, and then he just you know, lit the candle off. and man, oh man. <laughs> and, and nobody had gone that fast before. And he said that uh, right before, as he was approaching the speed of sound, the aircraft started vibrating violently. Mm. And it's, and it's where the, uh, uh, you know, the nose of the, of the plane was, was building up this pressure in front of it and developing a cone of compression you know, of maximum compression of the air molecules in front of the plane. And it was just shaking the plane so badly, he thought he was going to die. He thought, this mm -hmm. is it. And then when he punched through that, that cone of resistance, it, the, there was a sonic boom and everybody on the ground thought he died. He thought They thought the airplane had exploded. Right. Nobody had ever heard that before because nobody had ever broken the sound barrier before. So, so this is really, to me, it's a great analogy to what we experience. Uh, and, you know, metaphorically, they say that the, the darkest hour is right before the dawn, you know, just before mm -hmm. the dawn. And in our spiritual work, the more we, we intensify our inner search, going within and applying all this energy to light ourselves up on the inside, everything in us that is not uh, uh, in harmony or can accept the the influx of spiritual energy is going to rebel and start to shake and see so in the crucifixion there was an earthquake right so we experience this inner earthquake of of all of the stuff that we have to let go of before we can enter into enlightenment you see and and there are various mm -hmm. stages in enlightenment so every time we come up to a major transformation we're going to experience this rebellion within ourselves because that in us that has to die doesn't want to die. All of our old habits, all of our own identifiers, you know, who we think we are, because right. all of that has to go before we can enter into who we really are. And part of the spiritual journey is pre precisely that. It's letting go of the old person to come into the new person. And that is that is like uh, we could call that a travail, which is the word we use for the suffering of childbirth, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's part of a birthing process. This is uh, and that's the death part, and then the resurrection is the life part. It's coming from uh, from death 
into rebirth. I have See, to and, ask about the motivation. Because <laughs> when Jaeger strapped that, that you know, gas tank to his back, basically, and lit a match, it's like, is this a death wish? <laughs> and oh, no, even no, with you, that, why, you know, with the, what is the motivation of the average person? Uh, um, well, I have, you know, I have friends. Doing this, I have, really. I have lots of friends who are mountain climbers, right? And what's the mm -hmm. typical story of their motivation why do you climb right. that why do you want to adrenaline climb adrenaline rush it's an because adrenaline it's, rush <laughs> because it's there it's there <laughs> yeah it's just like oh but, there's a but mountain most people aren't there though most people don't go oh, there no i i think it's i think it's an i think it's intrinsic to human being i think that mm -hmm. you know whether it's a a, a thirty thousand foot mountain you know like mount everest or it's just simply looking at a pile of dishes on the countertop you know, you see it and you're motivated to do something about it. Mm -hmm. See, or or you have a you have a child and you're motivated to see that you you bring it up properly, right? That becomes right. the most important thing to us. So I think it's mm -hmm. intrinsic to all of us. It's just a matter of whether we are going to symbolize it on the outside, like mountain climbers, because because mm -hmm. you know, mountain a mountain is extremely symbolic, it's elevated consciousness. You know, the higher up the mountain you go, the the more constrained you become because there's less places to go. And then when you mm -hmm. reach the summit, you have this amazing 360 degree view, which mm -hmm. is which is extraordinary. Right. So you, you when you take that pattern and you apply it within, we're inside, we're climbing the mountain of spiritual attainment. And when we reach the summit, our our sight is opened and we mm -hmm. see way more than we could ever see before. But in order to get there, we have trials and tribulations all along the way. And that essentially is the story of the crucifixion. This is, you know, this even they even put it on a mountain, you know, a mount the of Golgotha, right? Which is right. I understand it's just really a small hill. But but still it's a mountain. See, they it and whether whether he was crucified there or, you know, it's probably where he was crucified because there's kind of historical references for it. Mm -hmm. But but regardless of where the story would demand that it would be on a mountaintop, because that's the narrative. That's the mythological framework for the death and rebirth story. Mm -hmm. You see, it's a climb upward. It's always a climb upward. And the higher up you climb, the more constrained you get. And like Chuck Yeager's cone of compression, you're going to reach a breakthrough point that is violent and and uh, death. Right. See, he, right. he thought he was going to die. But when he punched through, see, that was the resurrection. Mm -hmm. You see, so so it's, so, it's and all. And he and and Jesus dragged his cross with him, which is yes, yes. What is the symbolism of the cross? The cross is the physical body. Okay, that's our body. You know, that's the cross. I didn't know if it was up. our psychological. You know, well, yeah, yeah, or... <laughs> it's that too. But but then you have you know how much of our psychological baggage is body related? Mm -hmm. See, yeah. that's the mind yeah. body. Uh, thing. I mean, you can't really separate mind and body because our bodies are like the history of our psychological journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it's all one thing, but but the one thing has has discrete elements to it, and the more we can understand about how all the all the moving parts, the more we can then assemble a story that uh, that encapsulates and summarizes and explains what what our journey is about and, and what we can mm -hmm. expect in it. Cause like, okay, when Jesus was on the cross, he reached a point right before he died where he said, my God, my God, why has, have you forsaken me? I remember, yeah, I remember reading that. You, you won't, you wouldn't believe the the uh, uh, contortions that theologians go through trying to explain that one. You know, they mm -hmm. they reframe it. They they say, well, that's not really what it's what he said. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. When <laughs> but any mystic, any mystic who has gone through the internal crucifixion experience can tell you, no, that's exactly what he said. And that's exactly the way he felt, because at that last 
moment before entering into enlightenment, you feel utterly alone, utterly abandoned. You, you feel like you are an utter failure, that everything you valued about yourself is meaningless, utterly meaningless. And then you pop through and then you realize, ah, none of that, none of that matters. Now, now I'm a new being. I'm a new being. And it's exactly how it's told in the account of Jesus's crucifixion. And then it breaks down, you know, into lots of minutiae, you know, that it gets very esoteric that describes, um, uh, to people who, who do this work specifically, it, it means something, you know, what, what happens, you know, why did they give him the vinegar? You know, what, what was the symbolism of, of both uh, of stabbing him in the side with a spear and water and blood coming out? Uh, what are mm -hmm. the, you know, what was the significance of Simon the Cyrene helping him, you know? Right. All of right. those things are broken down and they have very specific meanings. It's way too detailed to go into, you know, now, mm -hmm. but, but the main points we can, we can touch on. And, and those main points are, oh, and the, and the, one of the biggest uh, factors to consider in this is that Jesus went willingly. See, this is the whole story packed around, him sacrificing his life to save all of us, right? It's mm -hmm. it's because they have to, the story emphasizes to the nth degree, the willingness. It's he went willingly to his death. And the way we can, the, there's one way to translate that in our, in our individual lives in that we willingly pursue a good life. You know, we work, hard to have a good life, a meaningful life, not just a financially successful life, but a meaningful life filled with love and, and a connection. Purpose. A lot of people are always looking for purpose. For purpose. Yes. Meaning and purpose. We, we are willing, we approach that willingly knowing that we're going to die. Mm. You see, and, and what's the opposite of that? The, the nihilistic or the antichrist approach to life is to say, well, screw it. You know, what's the point? I'm just going to, I'm just going to live a life of pleasure and uh, do whatever the hell I want because I'm going to die anyway. You see, but what happens to that person is that they go straight to hell. And I don't mean in a, in a religious sense, I mean, their life falls apart because if you live just for today and the pleasures of today, you're going to wind up on the street. You see, mm -hmm. so the, so this this idea of sacrifice is like sacrificing immediate pleasure for a long term gain. And and isn't that's there something... also something in us, something wired in us that that goes for meaning, that goes for purpose, that cannot just take the moment, take it in the moment. Yeah, it yeah, seems like the... we're wired for this. Yeah, for, we're not only. Need. We're not only physiologically wired for that, we're divinely wired for it. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit operating through us. The Holy Spirit wants to grow. It, it's that, it's that, that part of God in us that wants to uh, explore and to find itself, to understand itself. See, we're, we're, like, we're like God's experiment of, 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 discovering this plane of consciousness this is what we call the earth plane because you know it's different here this is not like uh you know there are spiritual realms that don't look anything like this but but this is a very real place and god wants to know it, it because it's mm -hmm. a part of god's own being so we're the agents for that we are here as as the eyes and ears in the in the fingertips for god you see? Yeah. We are part now, of God's self-exploration. Um, now, before Jesus Christ, there was an Easter. I mean, they may have called it something oh, yeah. else, but there was oh, yeah. an Easter. You know, before we go into that, though, I want to take a break. And okay. when we come back, let's talk about that um, before Jesus Easter, as well as Passover. So we'll be right All back. Right. Okay.
One thing's for certain, life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, and we're back with Michael Macial, who is bringing us through. He is my... Mommy, you know, I'm taking ownership. He is my uh, priest who is trained in met- metaphysical um, Christian order, as well as no, but you really know all the religions. And I say that you're mine because I always go to you for this information, the metaphysical side of many of our religious and cultural ceremonies, really, or and we've been talking about Jesus Christ and all of that. And I wanted to ask, um, building on that, what is the meaning of being born again? Yes, yes. And this that is, was a little roundabout, but we got here. <laughs> yes, yes, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you know, on the surface, being born again is, is uh, how did the fundamentalists put it? You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're born again. And some people experience uh, a conversion ex- uh, uh, event where, you know, it's it's uh, really emotional. They feel the movement of the spirit within them. And so it's a real thing for them. And it, and for a lot of people, it changes the whole trajectory of their lives. And and that's, you know, that's great. I mean, why not? But, Is that but the I, rapture or am I getting way off on that? No, the rapture, that's that's a whole other thing. I, I yeah, Is it? Let's, okay, let's, we'll stick yeah, with we'll this for a little bit. We can, <laughs> we can talk about that another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so with uh, uh, being born again, where all of that comes from is the story where Nicodemus, the elder of the Jews, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, came to Jesus secretly, said he came to him at night and said, uh, 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 basically asked him, what, what do I have need to do to, to, to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus goes literal on him and says, what do you mean? Do I have to climb back into my mother's womb and be born again? Mm. And Jesus essentially said, and, and this is the metaphysical part. He, he essentially tells him, uh, and this is prefaced in the story like uh, by Jesus asking him, are you not an elder of the Jews and you don't know this? You know, so he's he's saying you don't know the meaning of your own uh, mythological narrative. And uh, and then he, pro- he proceeds to tell him. But what he's really saying is just because you're a member of the chosen people does not mean you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You don't get in there on the coattails of other people or by means of your membership in a tribe. That's not how this works, Nicodemus. He said, what you have to do is you have to go through this transformational process as an individual. You have to do it. Nobody can do it for you. You see, so, so, and this is what, you know, this all packed around the entrance of the door uh, to the door to being born again. He said, this is what you have to do. You have to take it on yourself. And he said, I can bring you to the, to the threshold, but you have to take the step. And this is essentially what every master teacher and guru says to their disciples. I will get you ready for it. But at the final moment, remember, you know, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That same mm-hmm. student will say, hey, teach, where the hell are you? I'm at this, this this crucial point. Everything is converging upon me. Where are you? And the teacher stands back and says, well, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to take the step or not? 
Mm-hmm. You see, this is this is a, a real fundamental teaching in the uh, the path of initiation. It's 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 so true that nobody gets into heaven by doing what somebody else told them to do. You don't get there but through obedience. You get there through daring. You get there through taking that step through into a dark doorway where you don't know what's on the other side. You cannot see, you don't even know if there's solid ground that will hold you or if you're you're jumping off a cliff. You don't know, but you you're the one that has to do that and only you. And mm-hmm. and if you really think about that, I mean, it does that's what that's how all of us in our lives, in our everyday lives, you know, it's like when we decide to quit our job and, and apply for a new one. You know, that's yeah. something that nobody can do for you. You have to make that decision yourself. Or, you know, you can do it because your spouse told you to do it, but then you're in a much weaker position. Because if you're mm-hmm. pressured in the midst of that process, you're going to fold. Because it's not coming from you, you see. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, you know, people say that the West is characterized by this, this obsession with individuality. That's not the case. The West knows this fundamental principle of advancement on the spiritual path, advancement through life, that in order to really enter into a transformative process, you must do it alone. You, and it has to be of your own volition. You can't do it because somebody urged you to do it or suggested that you do it or even told you to do it. It has to arise from within yourself. It has to be mm-hmm. something that's not something that even that you want to do, because because if you if you enter the spiritual path thinking it's a really cool thing to do, you're not going to make any progress because because you're being told to do that by your mind, by your ego. But but when the spirit when you when you hear something, somebody talking about spiritual realities and something jumps up inside of you, leaps in your womb, you know, like the uh, John the Baptist fetus leaped in Elizabeth's womb when it heard Mary's voice. You know, that story in the Bible, yeah. unless it yeah. unless that leaps up within you and becomes not something that you want to do, but something that you have to do. It's something that you cannot go any further without doing Mm -hmm. you see and that's that's a person possessed that's a person that's possessed by the spirit and that's why jesus said unless you are born of of the spirit you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven so you see how you make that happen can you make if it doesn't naturally happen no you can't make it happen you cannot make it happen until it's ready to happen. Mm-hmm. This is this is the accidental quality of it. This is like, you know, in the tarot, the symbolic meaning of the fool card, where he's about to step off a cliff, but he's not paying attention, right? He's looking up. He's, you know, he's looking at his right. cell phone or something. So, so the whole and thing they about, to have cards like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I saw one. Yeah. I saw a depiction. Oh, of did fool. you? Yeah, this young girl holding a cell phone, <laughs> walking into traffic or something, looking at her cell phone or about to. That's but great. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's that's part of the interpretation of the symbol symbolism of that card that a lot of people miss the accident that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. You see, so we can't make it happen. It can only happen by accident. But the reason it's happening is because with the fool in the fool card, He's on a journey. He's obviously on a journey. He's got a staff with his his backpack, you know, dangling from the end of it. Mm-hmm. So he's on a journey. He's leaving. In the older versions of the card, he's leaving the village. You see, yeah. And and so he's on a journey. He's a hobo. He is he is wandering. He's a wanderer. Which, funny enough, that's the meaning of the word uh, a planet. The Greek word planetus means wanderer because the planets wander among the fixed constellations. But there, see, there, there's many layers of meaning, and it's a whole web of meaning that that these teachings are are focusing on. But the main thing about the fool is that he's about to have an accident, which is anybody who's been through the process of spiritual transformation knows that they cannot make it happen, but they can make themselves accident prone. And the way they do that is they leave society. 
they leave the company of others. Jesus said, unless you hate your family, you hate your friends, you hate your community, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that word hate isn't an emotional anger thing. It's Mm -hmm. like you're repelled by it. It's like, because the people who enter the spiritual path genuinely do it because they are called to to do it from within. It's something that is leaping up within them, see, and leap, falling off the cliff with the fool. You see, all of these, you know, they're subtle indications that are all pointing to the same thing. And, And so as we're called to the spiritual path, the call to this rebirth of the spirit, because we're so sick of who we are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another yeah. factor that makes people want to get on the spiritual path because they wake up one day and they think, this is a treadmill. My life mm-hmm. is a treadmill. I am not going anywhere. And uh, there's got to be more to life than this, you see? Right. And when a person reaches that wall, that brick wall, there's a little hole in the brick wall and they look through it and they say, oh my God, there is something more. I want to know what that is. You see, and then that's that's the the impetus then to to start letting go of what society says is valuable, and going for what you intuitively sense is really valuable. You see, and the 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 really valuable thing is the pearl of great price, as Jesus put it. So you you realize your life is is a is a wheel, the wheel of karma, the wheel of samsara, that you're stuck in an illusionary world. And you mm-hmm. want to get out of that because you your spirit feels crushed by it, feels buried by it, and it wants to be free. So it realizes like the phoenix, you know, the phoenix bird, it it self-immolates, it it jumps into the fire, which is analogous to the spiritual path. You jump into the fire, hoping that all mm-hmm. of the uh, the meaningless parts of your life get burned off, so that the original spirit of you, symbolized by the bird, you know, the there's a phoenix, there's a dove. The spirit's always symbolized as a bird, because the bird is able to fly up. The bird is able to escape the mundane and soar into rarefied heights. You see? So you see all this symbolism is just so beautiful and it's intricately intertwined in in all of these stories. And Easter is one of these stories. Now, the pre-Jesus Christ stories, because there were stories before Jesus Christ that were, you know, the... I don't know if we'd call them the pagan Easter or the bunnies and the egg. (laughs) Pagan is, uh, I think the word means provincial, which, uh, which to the Romans, I think meant hick, right? Yeah. (laughs) You live out in the provinces, you're a hick. So it's unsophisticated, you know, but that's, they, they had to spin it that way in order to Mm -hmm. launch the new religion, right? All all those, those provincials, those hicks, those, those pagans, they didn't know it. They're just, you know, they're groveling in the dirt, worshiping uh, clay figurines, you know. So they had to denigrate mm-hmm. them to the max in order to spin Christianity as this great new enlightened thing. But it all happened within an, an existing landscape of spiritual traditions and and esoteric schools of initiation. How about uh, which, Passover, though? You know, now I'm bringing well, me sideways to another parable, really, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, pa- Passover is, uh, you know, they had to uh, the Jews, the angel, the the angel of death was going to come and kill all the firstborn uh, of the mm-hmm. Egyptians, and, and the the Egyptian or the uh, the Hebrews lived in and amongst the Egyptians. You know, they were the workforce. They were like, you know, the the working class. Yeah. And so, in order for the angel of death to uh, uh, to distinguish to know who's a Jew and who's, who's not the Jews had to sacrifice their best lamb and take the blood and swab it on the, the lintel of the door. Mm-hmm. And that would tell the, see, see, that's the basic story, right? That's the story I learned in Catholic school. I'm sure you learned it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the story. You yeah. see? That's, but that's just the framework for a very deep 
much deeper story. So mm -hmm. the deeper story is because they, they had to sacrifice, you know, that's how you worshiped in those days. You took the very best thing you had and you, you offered it at the temple, you know, and that's echoed in tithing today. Mm -hmm. So, so you took your, your best animal and you sacrifice it and you offered it to God. And so what this story is, is telling us, and, and the angel of death, by the way, is a, is an echo of the angel with the flaming sword at the garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. When Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, the angel stood at the entrance with the flaming sword and said, no way in hell you're getting back into here. So, yeah. So, so it's an echo of that. So, so what this means that unless your sacrifice is pure, you will not escape death. You will not enter into the promised land. You will not, you will not uh, be able to escape the entropy that, that material life is, that you will be dragged down with it and your spirit will be crushed as you are crushed. So, mm -hmm. so the, whole, the whole story of the Exodus the Exodus is about leaving the enslavement of physical material belief systems. Like, you know, this is, this is all there is, you know, that's essentially what the material mind thinks is that what you see with your sense, what you experience with mm -hmm. your senses is the soul. Uh, that's the, the summation of reality. There's nothing beyond the physical, which is soul crushing. If you really mm -hmm. think that, you, it, there's very little uh, upliftment in that. Be well, for right. the main reason, it's because it, intuitively, you know, it's not true. And we're mm -hmm. finding out more and more that there are more dimensions to what we see than, than we can ever hope to know. So we know that this world of, of sense materialism is, uh, is false. You know, people say, yeah. well, the world is an illusion. That's what they're talking about. It's like there's so much more. There's so much more to reality that that by comparison, this world is, yeah, it, it's an illusion, you know, but mm -hmm. by comparison, you see. So so with the with the Passover thing, that's the um, essentially that you have to because what are the firstborn and what are the, the Egyptians in that story symbolize the material mind? You know, the scientific mm -hmm. materialist mindset is what you see is what you get. That's all there is. And, and so the firstborn of the Egyptians of that mindset are the very best ideas that you have within yeah. that mindset. Those are going to be killed. Those are going to, those are going to go. And, and so also within the mythological framework, all of the characters in these stories are all parts of us, you see. So the Egyptians are parts of us. And in this case, mm -hmm. in the case of the Passover, they are our material mindedness that has to die and the very best of it has to die. See the Egyptians, their firstborn would be in terms of human sacrifice would be what they would sacrifice to God so that their life would, could flourish in the, in the, you know, but it went from human sacrifice to animal sacrifice with the Jews, which is a step up in the whole sacrifice arena Instead mm -hmm. of sacrificing each other or human beings or firstborn, they would sacrifice the best of their flock, you see. And then mm -hmm. later, uh, Jesus would raise the, the, uh, uh, the, the ante, <laughs> raise the ante by sacrificing himself. Mm -hmm. So it goes from, you know, uh, sacrifice, human sacrifice to animal sacrifice to self sacrifice. And even yeah. that progression goes can be is re uh, recapitulated in our own lives. You know, we we go through that very same that same process of 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 coming to the point where we're willing to let go of everything we think we are, to, and to undergo the the death of the ego, so that we can really enter into the divine consciousness of who we really are which is the, the ego with a capital e which is the i am mm -hmm. when 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 god can live in and through us we realize we are really one with everything and it's the one thing that is that is speaking through us and is is expressing through us you know and great artists experience that you know uh in, right. the, in a masterpiece they they will get in the process of creation like like painting a, a painting 
And there comes a point where they're no longer painting the painting. The painting is painting itself and using them as an agent to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, or like a a novelist, he writes a story and pretty soon the characters are telling him or her what what they want to do. And it starts to unfold and it immediately becomes something much bigger than the author or the artist. Man. And dancers, dancers experience the same thing. There was one dancer who said, at some point I stopped dancing, I became dance. Mm-hmm. It, they, were, they were taken up into something much greater than themselves and they transcended the limitations of the physical and mental bodies and became one with the universal and became an expression of the universal. I mean, that that's an enlightenment experience. Now I have to bring it down to the bunnies and the eggs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, from that loft, from that high loft. <laughs> yeah, well, the you know, there's the actually eggs. some very high things in it too, because the bunny, you know, rabbit symbolized fecundity and fertility. You know, because mm-hmm. you get you get a couple of rabbits and bat an eye and all of a sudden you got a hundred right and they just they're so prolific so uh, so that's the there rabbits are kind of like the uh, um all of nature's fecundity intensified (laughs) into this one little (laughs) organism and and you know they're cute and they're you know they're they're soft and all of that so they're they're an easy symbol and mm-hmm. so, but that's what they're symbolizing is uh, fecundity, which is the surge of life that happens in the springtime. Mm-hmm. You see, that's what we're, you know, this, that's the cosmological aspect of it, that the earth is, you know, it, it's in its, uh, uh, within the cycle of its yearly uh, revolution around the sun is in that phase because of the tilt of the earth and all of that, where it's all North, Northern hemisphere, of course. And, you know, we don't care about the Southern Hemisphere. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what are they, you know, they're not important. It's just us, right? Europeans. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is about us when you come down to it. It Oh, yeah, it's all about about me, right? Yeah, yeah. And so so there's this enormous surge, and, and it's evident in the rabbits, you know, so we use them. As, and then so we make this little uh, ritual out of hiding eggs and, you know, the Easter bunny and all mm-hmm. of that for the kids. Right. It's for right. kids. It's, and it's a way to bring the kids into a much higher mystery and it, because it's all subconscious. Right. It's mm-hmm. all very deeply subconscious. These these motifs are instantiated within our very cells. This is like. This goes all the way down into the limbic system because these these forces that we're that we're celebrating this this emergence of life have been around you know for hundreds of millions of years you know from our very the very deepest roots of our of our evolution so they're yeah. they're right at the core of us so when, so you know, does when this we, come from before Christ and before Passover, we don't, or we, does it we, come from a Hallmark card in 1940? <laughs> right. No, no, this, <laughs> this goes so far back, we have no idea where it originated. But we know okay. it was it was there when we first started recording such things. It's like it's like they say about some of the fairy tales. They say mm-hmm. some of those are 10,000 years old or older. You know, they come wow. out of an oral tradition that eventually got translated into written form. But these uh-huh. oral traditions go back way, way farther than we can than we can see. They, these these uh-huh. stories, these stories are so much a part of us that they probably have internal uh, uh, physiological DNA. counterparts. <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah. Know. So so we have no idea. And and then the egg, you know, the Easter egg is, you know, what's an egg? It's it it symbolizes potential. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like um, it's the miracle of birth. It's it's like imagine if you were, you know, a, a primitive person just coming into consciousness first, first getting the idea that that this woman, that new life comes out of this woman in her belly is kind of shaped like an egg, you know, and all of And then at some point this baby pops out. I mean, that's a miracle. And and to get your to wrap your mind around that, 
would be to understand even just the bare rudiments of how that happens. Mm -hmm. There's there's how the myths form, you see? So an egg is symbolizes not only a pregnant woman's belly, but it's it's also anything that is unknown but has a distinct form to it. You know, it, it, we look at anything that and we we look into its its potential, like what can it what can it become? You see, right. I mean, I was in woodworking for twenty years, and you take a you take a beautiful piece of wood, and the a woodworker's immediate thought is, what can I make out of this? Mm-hmm. So so that's the level that we're looking at in these symbols. It's so deep that the egg is just a you know is is way down the line of of how this this what we're trying to describe elaborates what we're trying to describe is this this part of us that looks at anything and sees into the center of it as to what it can become so okay. we're we're well, we which look at came first <laughs> and then we're going to have to close. I, you know, but I want this answer first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Which came know. first, and then I wanted it's... you know you to tell everybody where to get hold of. Well, in, in order to know what came first, we have to first know why it crossed the road, right? So, I don't know. You got me there. I know I have no right. answer to that. <laughs> okay, where can everybody get hold of you? Okay, uh, and what do you have coming up, and all of that? Well, what I have coming up is really interesting. I have a a, a a new way of meditating that I call radical meditation, which enables us to go within to the core of us, into the core of yourself. And, and that is all lit up on the inside. It's like a column of light that it exists within the core of us and kind of right behind us. And we it, mm -hmm. and radical meditation teaches you how to back up into that core of light and have it transform your consciousness as you place your consciousness into that part of you, which is what what is going within is all about, right? But mm -hmm. so you can't go within by looking out in front of you, and you can't see what's behind you by turning around and looking because that that's just taking what's in front of you and putting it behind you and pretending that that's within and it's not. So right. I, I teach people how to back up into that core of their own being and then move their consciousness there and then see what everything looks like from there. Wow. You see, and it's wow. deeply, yeah. deeply transformative because normally mm -hmm. we think our consciousness is all scrunched up in our forehead and in our eyes. Right. But right. If, you, if you just simply put that to the back of your head, and I don't mean look there because that's still taking mm -hmm. this and turning it around. I mean, really moving your consciousness there, everything right. changes. And then mm -hmm. you then you go even a little farther back and it changes even more. Wow. You see? And then your consciousness starts to open into, cos into cosmological dimensions. And you, you actually see? enter into that space where is, there is no space and there is no time. So you're taking your spirit, really, and moving it out out of the physical yeah. into the yeah. cosmic or into the right into right the because spiritual yeah because because normally our our identity is all wrapped up in this in this body thing right. that we have right. so so mm -hmm. this radical meditation enables you to back up out of the body and move into the energetic part of you to the energy body. Right. And and it's very powerful. And people that I've been this working with. This could be a, a whole nother show. <laughs> I hope it is. In mean, yeah. In the yeah, meantime, so, though, where can everybody get hold of you and do this? Uh, <laughs> it's just put my name in, michaelmaciel.com. And okay, there I have. Do you want to spell it, if you don't mind, so that yep. people Michael don't Michael is M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Maciel is M-A-C-I-E-L.com. MichaelMaciel.com. Right. And there, there, there are links. You can get my daily email, um, uh, very short, very tiny, uh, three or four lines of inspiration for each day. And mm -hmm. uh, people who are receiving it absolutely love it. So I'm sure that you will too. 
Um, and also there are links to other resources like a, a free download of a PDF uh, that talks about open-eyed meditation, how to meditate with your eyes open in a way that is deeply transformative. And that's part of radical meditation. And, uh, and then there's an ebook that I'm selling on there about shadow work, which is very powerful. Very powerful. And it's very cheap. So it's a very easy resource. And so all of that you can get on my on the homepage. And then also there are links to my YouTube channel. And uh, I have a Substack uh, account, a page where I, I do longer form essays. And also on the homepage, you can get to my blog where I have articles. So lots, lots there. Lots. Uh, the, yeah, a lot yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And then the radical meditation you'll be teaching. Yes. And, and that will be a course. And, and as soon mm-hmm. as I can. Uh, it's, it's kind of a big project. I have people helping me with it. And when it right. becomes available, then I'll broadcast that. Sounds great. Thanks so much for being on and for bringing us through the Eastern Passover and the rebirth of uh, yes. the human spirit. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.